There is no curtain, chair, couch, WebEx that you can hide when a customer looks across the table and says, here's my business outcome. This is when it's due. How are we going to do this? You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to the Flip My Funnel podcast. Super pumped. I think every time I get to be in at all these different events, I meet some inspiring people. And one of those, uh, I typically then ask them to be a guest on the podcast. It's always fun. So today I have a veteran CMO who has been in a CMO for more than a decade. So she has a lot of, lot of experience as to how winning teams and building world-class teams. And that was our topic at one of the last events. So we're going to get into what does it take to be a modern CMO? How do you build world-class marketing? So something, uh, something really important topic. And then in the last 200 or so episodes, we've always talked about product and the product CEOs, product CMOs. But this time we're going to take a different tangent. I'm going to talk about services and how does that impact the role of a, of a CMO. So we get in, into that. And then also um, the, the guest that we have today, she's also the co-founder of Women's Innovators Network. So I'm really excited to hear what that means and where that's going. So without further ado, please help me welcome Kareen Sklar. How are you doing? I'm phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me today. All right. So love for you to start with a fun fact, something that you may not have shared with a lot of people. Fun fact would be that, uh, and you can find it online, but I went to art school. So, you know, a lot of people talk about their traditional paths or, you know, you look at education today, but, um, you know, I went to a contemporary uh, fine art school and, mm-hmm. you know, that's my background. And so I have a creative background, not necessarily a pure business background, what I think has been very helpful in my career. And I've picked up things as I've gone along, but uh, that's a fun fact. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Now, you are the CMO at Blue Wolf, an IBM company for more than a decade. Before that, you have been in the marketing roles. Help everybody get educated on the idea of services versus product, because that is such a different, a completely different animal. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a big focus right now on ABM or account-based marketing. And it's funny, you know, I... There's an organization and a big shout out to them, which is ITSMA, which was a services marketing organization, which really founded, I think, the premise around account-based marketing. And in services, that's always been our focus, right? Because it is about our clients and we, we have a lot of insight into what are the needs of our clients. And it's about how you engage and provide world-class services and experiences for those customers so they continue to engage with you. So, you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot to be learned around how services companies market. I think what's been unique for me being in the role with Blue Wolf, which is Salesforce.com's largest consulting partner, and now through, with IBM through IX, we're one of the world's largest digital agencies in the world. You know, we also attack our marketing approach through a product lens. And so it's unique. So we, you, you can learn things around how services organizations market. But then on the flip side, I've also borrowed a lot from 
coming from a consumer and product marketing background around how to apply that in a services world. Yeah. So, so for me, I'm a product guy, right? I'm a co-founder of Terminus. Like ABM has been something that we started to really rely on and has been really amazing. And I'm a product guy. And every time I think about services, I feel like, man, it's really hard to build a services business, right? Like, you know, I remember in the first couple of years, I was on every single sales call and I was like running all those things. And then in the last year and a half, like I've not necessarily been on every single sales call. And now we have a sales team that does it. But when I think and talk to services people, I feel like, wow, it's, it's really hard business. How do you differentiate between a product business and, and services business? Well, let me take the first point, which is around, it's really hard. We have a saying at Blue Wolf, you know, you, you come to work at Blue Wolf, you get like three MBAs in a matter of a year. <laughs> there is nothing like being in the consulting business, especially in the early parts of your career. And I highly recommend people who are just beginning to get in technology or marketing or anything in the business world to look at consultancies because in digital companies like us who are, who are at the cutting edge, because in this world of startups and whatnot, we are the reality makers. We are the ones that are humans that have to look right across the table at you and make this come to life. Yes. Yeah. And so you cannot hide in this role. There is no curtain, chair, couch, WebEx that you can hide when a customer looks across the table and says, here's my business outcome. This is when it's due. How are we going to do this? And yeah. so you think the amount of diligence, uh, agility, people skills that you learn, really understanding to communicate with executives, understand, listen, is one of the most amazing things that you gain by being in this role. And what's been unique for me especially is that, gosh, you know, over a decade ago, I actually started the first marketing services business within Blue Wolf. And this was at the time when marketing automation was just getting started. So there was no Marketo. There was no, Silver Pop was there. There was Eloqua and Mark Organ had just been building that business. And, you know, that was a time not only of implementing these technologies, but implementing them in understanding what the needs were and the changing needs were of marketers connecting marketing and CRM, which was, you know, a growing business even at that point with Salesforce. Right. So very unique times and unique perspective um, that I've gained through that. That is so cool. I, when I ran marketing at Pardot and, you know, I don't know if you never chatted about this, but like I ran, went through the acquisition of Exact Target, then at Salesforce. So I spent a couple of years at Salesforce. And I still remember the very early on where marketing automation, yes, it's great. And the services industry really spun around us. And we saw everyone pretty much, yeah, it's not just selling a marketing automation software and let go. We have to have a services partner. And that became one of the most important business lever for us because we knew if somebody's going to buy in services, the, our retention just went up 100%. Oh, purely, right? But- yeah, I think that point, and you, you, we brought, we were kind of spinning around this topic, but humans and people are at the center of all businesses. Yes. They're the users of technology. They're the ones making decisions, emotional, not always rational decisions around, uh, around everything in a business. And we forget. And if, if I look at my, my career and I look at what I spend most of my time 
with clients and, and with my own people, it's really about the human needs. Technology can be tweaked and, you know, you can do anything with technology today. It's time, budget, or scope, right? But I think we, we forget that at the heart of everything, our, our users are, are humans and people who are using these technologies and, you know, especially in marketing. I mean, I think that these are, these are incredibly powerful tools, but, you know, marketing is a very transition role, especially with high uh, demand skills in technology, where what happens if you train your Pardot or your, you know, your Salesforce marketing cloud or your Marketo expert, and they walk out the door and you don't have documentation and you don't know how the processes work. You're really in a, in a stalled position. And I know there's similarity in other roles, but you know, we see that a lot. And that's why I think services has played a big role in marketing, especially yes. because, you know, they're looking for their marketers to be experts in their business, not always experts in technology. And so, you know, a big part of our growth was around marketing operations and managing execution and analytics for clients on those platforms because for multiple reasons, staff, you know, headcount budget constraints. Do you want to put it in headcount or do you want to put it in your, your programs? And attrition, right? You know, the minute that person walks out the door, what do you do? So yeah. I think for marketing especially, you know, it's always been um, a big part of decision a CMO needs to make around how they, how they leverage partners like us. I love that. All right, so at Connex, you spoke on the topic of how to build world-class marketing teams. I, I actually couldn't attend that session. We talked right before that and right after that because I was going on another stage, I guess, at the same time. I want to hear about it. Like, what, what, what's your formula for it? You have obviously built great teams and, and obviously at, at such an incredible company, uh, having a CMO, especially you're beating the odds. Like, CMO's tenure is like, what, two to three years and, and you are there for like 10 years plus. How do, you, how do you beat the odds of being a CMO for such a long period of time and how do you build world-class team? I think there are so many questions. Yeah, sure. I think my role is probably a little unique because I'm also one of the founding partners of Blue Wall. Right. And I've been part of the management team from the get-go. And so it's a bit of a unique role in, in that sense. But I got to give a lot of credit to the CEO of, of Blue Wolf, Eric Barrage. I mean, um, he's not only been my partner, but he's been really just my hugest advocate and him and I really just see eye to eye. He's, he's a marketer and salesperson, right? He's, 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 he's a marketer and he sells. I'm a marketer and I sell. And so I think that has really helped me because we really see eye to eye. And, you know, I did talk a lot about this. So I think that's one of the reasons why I've been successful. I think one of the, you know, some of the topics I talked about at Connects were really around alignment and leadership. So, you know, really big believer in aligning with executives. You know, if you have a CEO that doesn't believe in marketing, yeah. good luck. You know, look at Salesforce. Mark Benioff is the, you know. Yes. For all better reasons, he's the CMO, right? Yeah. And, and I love that. And I appreciate that because that is why they are a leader in marketing. Because yeah. you've got somebody who really believes in that and he invests in it. Yes. You know, and so I think that's a, a big piece. One of the things that I, I do is, is around alignment with sales. I and mean, we could have 20 podcasts around that topic. <laughs> Let me give you my experience. So yes. by having the support of, you know, my GM of sales as well as Eric is key, but I also sell, right? And I do that in a way where, where I'm with my clients. I'm with customers because it's the only way I really know what they want. 
Yes. I can't rely on anybody else. I'm the CMO. I need to be with customers, right? And yeah. so that really gives me the pulse to drive that back into my team. And we have an entire process inside of Blue Wolf around client storytelling. We don't rely on anybody to give that to us. We develop and we have our product marketers and, and all different parts of our team tell client stories because it grounds us. Mm. It's very easy to get away from what the customers want and get lost in, in marketing. And so I think that's a big thing that, you know, I really, you know, talk about is, you know, how do you instill that storytelling in your marketing organizations around your, your clients? I talk a lot at the session about, and I highly recommend if you want the details, please watch the session. I'm sure it's online. But the other area that I talk a lot about is how you organize your teams. And, you know, I love to experiment. And I, I pick things up from everywhere. And I don't necessarily believe that you just got to look at the guy next to you to find the answers. You got to find out what's right for your own business. And so I really took agile principles and applied them in a new way. And we have a very unique uh, model inside of Blue Wolf around how we organize our marketers. And a big core of that is around uh, project management. And you know, one of the things that I asked everybody in the audience is how many people in the room have a PCP certification or any project management background? I think it was only two hands that were raised. And you can have the greatest ideas in the world, but you have to be able to execute. Execution is paramount. And I really ask CMOs to look, and we have a process in Blue Wolf, which we call rep writing. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is we listen and we, we, we take feedback from clients around what they think the issues are. And we'll talk to the managers and the C-levels who are, who are kicking off a project. But then we talk to the people that do the work. And we don't just talk to them. We sit and shadow them. And one of the things I think is, especially in large enterprise, and I know it's, it depends on the size of your organization, but when's the last time you sat down next to your producer, your email marketing manager, and actually see how hard or long it takes to get mm campaign out the door. And so one of the things that I really focus on is how do we consistently not only hold and, and put diligence behind project management, which I'm not sure marketers really have the skills behind that sometimes, yep. but also streamlining the work for marketers. We need to help marketers get the work done. And that's the responsibility of the CIO. That's a responsibility of our sales leaders because we're all part of revenue. And so I think that's a big part. And then the last thing that I talk about is about the lack of design rigor in B2B. You know, I came from consumer. I've, I have an incredible partner who's an amazing designer. Mm. And, you know, I've really believed in the power of visual communication and design. And, you know, I care about that. I teach marketers to care about that. We launch a report every year called the State of Salesforce. We just launched that at Dreamforce. Uh, it's our seventh annual report. We wow. do it in-house and it's a labor of love. And we do it with our customers, but it is really beautiful. And, you know, I think that's another uh, piece of advice. I, I train marketers and I teach them about design principles. And I think that's an important thing about building a culture of visual communication, not just written communication. I love that. It's funny. This morning, I went through a brand exercise with my team and Chanel, who runs our design, she was leading that of like, well, how do we rebrand Terminus and we're going through that project? And it's funny, she has a PMP. And so anything that is a big project, uh, she's a creative, she's a designer, but I typically ask her to run because she knows how to run it. So 
I love your point on execution because I think 99% of the marketing organization do not have it and everybody just running with their head cut off the whole time and everybody gets burnt out or things don't get done and the finest ideas just fall apart or it just feels like it's the 11th hour when we're trying to pull all the things together. So I love your point on PMP, like underscore that multiple times. But let's talk about the other topic that I was very interested because when I was, every time I have somebody that I'm interviewing, I like to go and look at their social profile, what else have they're doing. And, and one of the things that you are a co-founder for um, at Women's Innovators Network, and I was listening to your interview at Dreamforce with so many other people. Could you share a little bit more about what that foundation is all around and what are the goals that you have for it? Sure. So very proud of this organization and, and the men and women that are part of it. Uh, we, uh, Jolene Chan, my partner at Blue Wolf, and I started it about 10 years ago because we started to notice that some of our most innovative, risky projects with Salesforce mm-hmm. and other you know, SaaS technologies at the time were being led by women. And wow. we thought that was really unique. And so we, we said, well, why don't we start to bring these, these women together? That was the onus of the initial beginnings of the Women's Innovators Network. And now it's a global organization. We, ho- we host our annual event every year during Dreamforce in a separate location. And, you know, what it has really evolved to become is, and based on the feedback from our network is, you know, how do we help women? And when I say, how do we, men and women, how do we help women close the gap at the top? And, you know, today we have under, I think about a quarter of women who fill leadership roles in businesses and, you know, it hasn't moved and it's actually declining. And so what's going on? And so, you know, this is something that both men and women need to participate in. So we have a more diverse organizations that really can cater to the needs to keep women in business and to get more women represented in the C-level position. So that really is the, the goal of the network is to help and support and to encourage and to build network for women to reach, you know, C-level and board positions in organizations across the world. Yeah, and I'm seeing so many studies that shows that it's not just a nice to have, because I think a lot of people think that, well, you know, that's just a nice to have or a more PR thing to do. But there are more studies that I'm reading like now. And as a co-founder, I'm looking at this because like, I'm like, I want to learn more about it. And there's a competitive advantage to actually have women in C-level positions and board. And there's studies being done that actually shows data that proves this. So it's really interesting. So we have, I'm not very proud that most of our executive are men, but our CFO is Kathy. Kathy, you know, she's a woman and she is like, she brings like, and as you, you know, the role of a CFO is like the person who's right in the middle of everything. Like they're pretty much running the company many times because they know the budget where the resources are, the things, then they're making decisions really big. I love Kathy because Kathy's she brings reason to everything in a unique way that none of the other team members do. And we feel very fortunate. And I, I still feel like we as a company are not doing enough to find more leadership for folks for women, which, which, which I think I'm not doing it because it's a nice thing to do or PR good. It's like it's a competitive advantage if we actually have that in a good way. 
Yeah, lots of great studies. And there's a lot of things, you know, we could probably spend again another whole topic around. We don't really have a top of the funnel issue. We actually have a mid and bottom funnel issue, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of women going into, actually, there's more women graduating from four-year colleges now. Yeah. We're just not retaining them. And we're not seeing them go to those highest roles. And so, you know, a first thing is about acknowledging it and and understanding that that's, that's an issue. You know, you're right. And I think, though, to your earlier point, yes, it's, it's, it, there's plenty of studies that say it's, the, it's good for business, but it's also the right thing to do. Yeah. And we believe at IBM and Blue Wolf that, you know, our businesses should mirror the world. And yeah. if you look, if you walk down on Market Street in San Francisco, you're going to see every race, every gender, right? And, you know, that's the world we live in and we power the world. So we need to have solutions and products and services that reflect the people around us. I love that. All right. So I'm going to try to like, you can see, like I have five pages of notes that I made during, during this. I'm going to try to just keep it to two or three big things that I learned. And then I would love for you to share a challenge with everybody on the topics that we just talked about. So the first thing I learned from you is uh, I love that you started off with ABM because that's kind of the hot topic for us. And we talk about that quite a bit and said, well, that has been done in the services world for a good amount of time. So, so I think there is, a, there is something that we have never talked about. That's pretty cool. The other part, I, we have a saying from a startup world that, hey, startup is like doing an MBA in one year. You just 3x that because you said, well, if you go in consulting is three times, like three times MBA in one year. I love that. I did, uh, I was two years in Deloitte Consulting, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And that allowed me to think about work ethic, it, 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 yep. customer, you know, just throwing into big projects and just think yep. fast on your feet, those kind of things. Yep. So I think you're absolutely right. Then we centered quite a, our conversations around that humans are the one who are making everything happen. So we have to solve for humans first and technology is something that is just peripheral. So I love that you kind of anchored our conversation around it. Then we got into this topic of, you know, how to be an amazing CMO. Again, most CMOs that I've ever interviewed, they're mostly in their jobs for three, maybe five years at the top. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who has been there for a decade. So well, I don't know that's a good thing, but <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but I think you made some good points. Like your relationship with your CEO is paramount. And I think you, you anchored us on that. And I think that's something for people to take note on. If you and your CEO are not looking eye to eye, then it doesn't work. And I agree with you. I was at Salesforce. Like, I know there was a CMO at that time. I don't know who the CMO is now. Mark Benioff is the CMO. And, and, and you, you see category leading companies that are doing great at marketing. The CEOs are the CMO. Same thing with Apple. Steve Jobs was the CMO of that company, no matter who they hired to run marketing. So I, I love, love that alignment and conversation around it. In the last part, I feel like when you got into the conversation of marketing and how to create amazing, badass teams, the PMP, the execution, the project management, I think it's, it's a topic that we have never covered, but I feel it dearly uh, that our team suffers from it. And if more companies can hire almost a PMO role or help people execute better, let people come up with ideas, but then don't let the people who come up with creative ideas also run projects because that's not what they're good at. So how do we create more synergy in the chaos that, that we all create? So those were some of the highlights. I'm sure I missed a ton of other things that you shared. So hopefully people are listening and taking notes. What is the one challenge that you want to share with everybody? And when you say challenge, is it a challenge and a resolution and advice? Is that kind of what you're thinking? It's anything that will make people think 
and or take an action when they go back to their workforce tomorrow? I think the the biggest challenge we have is not to fall in love with technology. And technology is just an enabler of your people and the creativity and the drive and energy and the culture that you've built in your marketing organization, in your sales organization, and to not forget about that. It's about your business process, how you execute. Technology is just an enabler. And you know, I've always said, and this, I mean, I wrote a blog on this, I think maybe, gosh, 14 years ago with Salesforce because I was noticing the same thing. And I can tell you, I still see it today. And that people look at technology as like a diet pill. If I just take the pill, I just need to take the pill and I'm, I'm going to lose weight. Right. I'm going to, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to slim down. I just need the diet pill. You got like Kim Kardashian, you know, walking diet pills. She's like, you like me. The problem is, is that that doesn't work. Right. And what really works is you have to work at it. You've got, it's about your diligence. It's the long game. It's the journey. It's the focus on your people, your culture, listening to your employees to figure out how the technology can enable them. Your people have ideas. They want to be good at their job. They want to do right by you and your business. How do we as leaders look at it and, and, you know, leashing, unleashing the creative power and the, the vision that our people have wherever they are in the business, whether they're just starting their careers, directors, whatever, you know, that is what builds a world-class team. And you know, don't forget that. And that, that would be the challenge and some advice. That's awesome. Corny, I, I am in love with every conversation, all the conversation we had today and all the different topics. Corinne, you're amazing. I love the experience that you have. And I think how you're empowering a lot of other people. I feel very inspired and I hope we can keep connecting and talking on these topics. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.